0: Nishil Dua and welcome to the Remote Work Summit. On the panel now, we have John Riordan, the Director of Support at Shopify. Welcome to the summit, John.
1: Thanks, Nishal, delighted to be here.
0: Really excited to have you on the summit, John. I think uh, we would really appreciate your insights and your assistance on uh, learning how Shopify works in a remote environment. So probably just start off with that. If you could just give us some background context on where does Shopify
1: stand with the whole remote work situation? So uh, with Shopify, it's kind of an interesting. We're in an inter- interesting situation at the moment because our whole support organization worldwide is remote. So we have close to two thousand people around the world who are who operate uh, almost completely in a remote environment. The balance of the company has historically been office based, but in the current climate, as you can well imagine, the the balance of the company is now working essentially quote unquote in our space remote. So what we're finding is a a massive opportunity for the support organization within Shopify to continue to educate the rest of the organization, the approximately 60% of the rest of the organization into what, it, what this whole craziness of remote work is all about.
0: Interesting. So, that's, so essentially, uh, the entire support team, which is 2000 plus people that you just mentioned, is in an organization in itself that has that remote work as a DNA component, and that's educating the rest of the organization about it that seems like a pretty interesting exercise. Can you tell us a bit more about how that's working right now?
1: Well, you know, like a lot of other companies, as soon as the measures were put in place in a variety of different countries to shut down the offices, there was a really quick movement to go home and have people work from home. We were so lucky that almost 40% of the company was already deeply entrenched in working from home. So we had, you know, five, six, seven years of really strong learning to share, now, we were very lucky from, as, as a tech company with all of the tools and products available to us. Many of our uh, non-remote workers ha- actually had you know, and were and have been very flexible workers, for want of a better description, for many years. So that, that transition to home was quite easy because they're well used to working uh, on a cons- fairly regular basis from a different environment other than the office. But now it's essentially the only environment that they're going to be working in for the next uh, couple of months so it's a fascinating uh, learning experiment for the company at, at, at large
0: right right of course uh, it, it's definitely an interesting experiment for the whole world I would say uh, everyone's trying out remote work for the very first time we've been forced into the situation but the good part about you guys is that you already have forty percent of the company which has remote as part of its DNA so do you feel that there are uh, there, there are definite differences there are definite uh, uh, ways to quantify whether uh, a remote team is more effective or a distributed team is more effective than a co-located team simply because shopify like you said has a 40 60 split between uh distributed and, and co-located people so is there a difference in how these teams operate how these people work uh, is there anything that you could share with us as an insight or uh, because it's it's all part of the same company so how do these yeah. two different teams operate, so to speak?
1: Well, we're, 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 as I said a second ago, we're kind of right in the middle of this, this experiment, so it's incredibly difficult to say right now as to what would work and what wouldn't work. And one of the other challenges in is that it doesn't necessarily translate to other organizations because each organization has their own individual context. For example, there are groups within our organization as there are in other organizations where the team will probably feel and rightly so, that they are better off in essentially in a pod, in an office collaborating, huddled over um, a good product, a monitor, a device, you know, and noodling on a particular issue together. But there are vast swathes of our company, as well as our industry, where the work package is so simple, so simply able to be taken and done remotely. Therein lies an incredible learning for not just Shopify, but for a variety of other countries in the world who, in a needs-must situation which we're in right now, companies are going to learn very, very quickly the types of, of, of work packages in their organization that can be done as effectively, if not more reflective, effectively, from home. So to me, that's the big meta learning that we're going to see over the course of the next couple of months. And it, it is going to be a couple of months before normality returns. But I think the new normal that we're going to see will be very different from the one that we left back in February.
0: Absolutely, so just like you said, each organization has to find its own context, has to find its own best fit, and uh, in the end it's about finding those different types of work packages and what works best for which particular team or which particular company. So with respect to the Shopify uh, support team that you just mentioned uh, is 2,000 people strong. Uh, What kind of remote work practices or policies does this particular team has been following the last uh, whatever uh, period of time Uh, is it fully remote is it remote friendly is it partially remote Uh, what are the best practices that you guys have been adopting in the support team itself since it's been working remotely for for the past some time
1: so I'm gonna redefine the word remote for purposes of our discussion regarding the Shopify support team it's a it's an at-home team where we contract um, like our employment contract states that John Reardon works from his home in Cork in Ireland. And that's the same for every one of our support personnel. They work from their home. So it's not this concept of remote where somebody's parked in a, in a coffee shop or in a co-working space or you know, leading that periapetic uh, itinerant lifestyle, wandering around the place with their laptop. It's not that. It's a fully professional work at home environment so, you know, I, I don't want it to be, you know, we've to be you have to be very careful when you talk about remote work to define what it is because it means different things for different people. And, you know, if you go look at the the mainstream press when they write articles on remote work, how often do you see somebody perched in a in a hammock on the side of a beach with a laptop and a mai tai? I mean, that's not remote work for 98% of the world who work from home. We have a fully professional um, essentially, mini office set up in our homes, and I think what we're seeing now and what we will continue to see is actually a professionalization of the workspace, of the home workspace. So, what we what we've seen, let's say in the in the uh, the, the first decade of the century, we would have seen a ton of companies trying to make the offices look very like home. You had fridges, you had free food, you had all of that. What we're now seeing, and it's happening really quickly, is companies are very quickly trying to encourage their employees to make home look like an office. So we've, the world has sort of inverted, and it's happened incredibly quickly. And to me, that is the most seismic change. It's almost as if we went to sleep in February 2020 and we woke up in March 2030. Like, Literally, this has been a condensing of about 10 years' worth of what you would have expected in terms of step change growth. It's happened like a hockey stick really quickly. And now everybody's scrambling, and as as you're probably more than well aware, um, the, the market for office goods, as in desks and chairs, has just gone nuts because everybody is trying to professionalize their homework environment. And that to me is the most incredible change that I have seen over the course of the last three weeks, is a professionalization of this concept of remote work
0: john I, I just love that analogy and I just love how, how you phrased it uh, that over the past couple of decades organizations have been trying to make your offices look more like your home but now all of a sudden because of the situation that we're in and of course because of the broader transition and the broader trends that we are observing we're trying to make our homes look more professional and more office like because that's where the real work is going to happen and since we're on the subject i think uh, can you share us a bit more about what do you think the future is gonna look like? Where do you think the next couple of years, the next five or 10 years, uh, we're gonna see, what kind of changes are we gonna observe uh, in this landscape? Because of course, uh, during this crisis, we do have a lot of companies who are scrambling, a lot of people who are, uh, forced to work from home. Uh, some of that will stick around, some of that then will go back to the offices, but what's the broader change, what's the broader trend that we're looking for in the next couple of years?
1: Great question Michelle. I'm going to try to choke that down into three pieces and talk about the change the, the one year, five year and ten year outlook. So from a one year perspective, I think what we're going to see is a percentage of those people who've gone to work from home you're going to see a percentage and maybe it's going to be anywhere between, it'll depend by industry and by country, but anywhere between 10 and 30% of those people would be saying to their employers and or their employers saying to them, stay at home. You're equally good, your work product, your productivity, your efficiency, or my work product, my efficiency is just as good. One will be trying to convince the other or both trying to convince each other that it's well worth doing. So that would be my prediction for, the, for one year. So you're gonna see uh, that would the knock-on impact on that will be on um, urban concentration and urban density and, a, la- and, and a, a significant change in the amount of commuting. So it's going to open up a ton of time for people who are who are who are basically um, who are who are time poor right now because of the commute that they would have been doing. So that's the one-year view. The five-year view will be all about how that gets uh, morphed into. Kind of the next stage of where companies are going to grow companies are going to need to make a decision i think as to what is the next wave of growth that they'll see and many many companies will grow out of this and is that growth going to be back into office space or is it going to be learning from this experiment and putting more of it in the home office space and that's going to be interesting is, is where will the next level of growth come i think now, obviously, I have a biased view of this, and I think most of the people watching this would have a biased view because we're involved in the remote um, arena, and we're also, we also have a vested interest in it. But I do think that a, uh, a greater percentage of the growth will happen in the at-home or remote environments. That's the five-year view. The 10-year view is the one that kind of fascinates me a little bit. And I'll just tell you a little little bit of a a, a story as to why I think this will change. So uh, on Monday, I was doing my usual, you know, six, seven calls on Zoom, which would be a typical day. And at the same time, my 18 year old was doing his college exam, his computer science college, first year college exam on Zoom downstairs. And my daughter was doing an economics class for her high school. At the same time, and my wife was also doing her her a choir her choir uh, rehearsal on Zoom. So, what? So you're probably thinking, what am I talking about? What? What's? How's that going to impact the ten year time frame? The next generation of workers who are currently in high school and in college are, are now, just by dint of what's happened in the last couple of weeks, are so immersed and enmeshed in this uh, online communication that they're actually going to be the ones who are going to say, hang on a second, I can do a whole lot more um, in terms of learning and being educated through the online medium rather than having, having to go to school. having not, I'm not saying kids are going to stop going to school or stop going to college, but this as a medium has been massively expanded. You take that and you add it on to how a lot of these kids would have learned in the first place and the activities that they've been doing online. They're so much more attuned to learning via video and seeking learning via video than any generation that's ever gone before. You put those two together and I think that's going to give us exponential growth in the remote work because for remote work to to happen and to, to make significant impact, you have to have a couple of things. You have to have a deeper broadband uh penetration and 5g penetration which we will have over the next 10 years and we have to have the kids of today thinking and viewing and consuming media through that channel rather than the channels that many of us have grown up through that to me is going to redefine and completely obliterate um so the learning mechanisms and the educational mechanisms that we have right now
0: That's amazing, John. I I think I completely agree with you on that part, Uh, especially how you just phrased that in the short term, you will see a lot more people just continuing to work from home. They will just stay at home, stay where they are, because it just makes sense for them. Of course, that's going to be a smaller percentage, but it's definitely going to stick around Uh, in the medium term. We're going to see uh, remote work or remote uh, first. Being the competitive edge that will uh, foster the next layer of the next level of growth for a lot of organizations out there. Uh, and in the long term, I loved how you phrased it that there's going to be an entire generation of workers, entire generation uh, of employees who's going to be more comfortable, who's going to default to virtual as a communication mode. Uh, and, and for them, it will just be a natural exercise. It's just like what happened 10 years ago with mobile and 20 years ago with the internet. It's just going to be the default uh, default mode of communication. And that's going to change the entire landscape forever. Uh, and, and, yeah.
1: John, one other thing I'd like to kind of just uh, nudge on there in, in the, the short to medium term view uh, in the last two or three weeks I've uh, had a, quite a number of conversations with people who, are, who operate in the recruitment arena and those guys are always trying to look six to 12 months down the road and I think there's not a recruitment agency in the world that isn't thinking, oh Lord, what am I going to do now? because the it, the landscape has changed completely, and how are they going to convince and work with companies to both recruit and train, and recruit, onboard, train, and manage folks remotely? So I think the what we're gonna see in that arena from an educational perspective will be quite fascinating, and I, I would look very closely at the offerings of some of the mainstream recruitment uh, agencies and recruitment platforms to see what change they're going to be offering up to their clients and i think that we we actually as a as a variety of different industries have a tremendous opportunity to encourage and cajole the recruitment firms that we work with to change their method of, of recruitment to meet the need that we see in the two to three year time frame which is more and more and more folks being able to that we were able to recruit remotely from anywhere in the world
0: that's very interesting actually because we do get uh, we do have a lot of uh, hr agencies and consultants and freelancers uh, or people managers who are attending this summit as well and for for most of them it's always about how to learn how to hire in a remote fashion how to onboard and how to manage employees in a remote fashion but like you said all of a sudden uh, their entire business models have been changed and they have to adapt adapt in a very rapid fashion because the traditional model of recruitment might just get changed altogether by the end of this year and uh, for a lot of these companies LD offerings will do uh, will definitely come into focus so they should talk about that as well and you know uh, i'll definitely pick that up as a subject later as well so thank you for that uh, but since we're on the subject. Uh, and, and we do have a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, a lot of leaders and CEOs and CXOs who are attending the summit as well. Uh, can you help us understand what kind of organizations or is there a framework to judge or evaluate what kind of organizations will survive this entire uh, remote work uh, shift the shift to the entire remote uh, environment and what kind of organizations will thrive and which, which ones will per- perish so is there a framework is there any way to evaluate and what can these people do to sort of tweak their company's models or their dna's
1: the way you finish the question there would lead me to a word that gets that's often overused and that is culture. okay because you referred to i think dna a company dna and company let's say morals and I think what we're going to find out is companies who use culture as a word will struggle. Companies who use who, for whom culture is deeply ingrained and they live culture without ever really needing to talk about it. And how I would define that, where I would make the distinction is if you are constantly bleating on about culture, you probably don't have it. If you don't need to talk about it incessantly and convince people that you have a great culture, you probably have it. So what I would, what I would encourage all leaders in our company and elsewhere to look at is look, look closely in the mirror and see, you know, do I, and ask yourself, do you, are you the type of individual, the type of leader that actually trusts the people that work with you? Do you trust them enough to, do their, to let them do their best work? Or do you micromanage? And I think what we're gonna see, so to answer your question in a, in a slightly different way, the companies that I think will struggle are the companies that would currently fit into what we would refer to as the command and control type of structure. And the companies that are likely to flourish are the companies for whom trust is the most important element and if they have trust and they have this, they have, it's built into their DNA, the next aspect of that is constant contact and constant communication. And what I mean by that is, is, is trust all of your employees as much as you trust them the day they sign the employment agreement. Because we all have that warm and fuzzy feeling that this person, she's going to be fantastic at the job. And then somehow or other, we put on the command and control hat, And we start directing the work product. And I'd say, let's kind of take that off a little bit and remember that trusting feeling when somebody comes on board. The next stage, as I said, is contact, is constant contact. It's really important in the uh, work from home or remote world to have that level of constant contact. A lot of five-minute reach outs on Zoom or Hangouts or whatever tool you're using is hugely important because everybody has a visceral feeling of wanting to belong. And you as a leader have to reach out to people and say, you belong in my team. And by the way, I'm, I'm the leader of the team and we're all in this together. And you do that through constant contact. And then the next element of it is communication. And I think that the, the stream of communication has changed enormously in the last couple of years with a whole slew of products like Slack and, um, Microsoft Teams and products from Teamwork and a whole variety of other companies, all fantastic products. But they are brilliant and superb for folks who are not in an office because now as well as having this one-on-one communication via video or one-to-many communication via video, I also have a one-to-many asynchronous medium where we can document what we said and you and I can have a conversation and at the end of it, on Slack or Teams or whatever, we can just document what it is that we've agreed and anybody who's calling in from a different time zone at a later stage who wasn't part of this will see what it is that we've agreed. And you can actually, you can really exponentially grow organizations through those things, which are trust, contact, and communication. But I'll go back to the point I started off with, is if you are talking and having to convince people that you have a good culture, guess what? You don't.
0: I I think that's definitely gonna be a part of the highlights that we add towards the end of the interview. Uh, If you're talking too much about your culture, you definitely don't have it. And uh, culture is something that's deeply ingrained. It's something that's practiced on a regular basis, not something that you keep talking about a lot more. So I'm with you on that front. And uh, interesting points on how you mentioned Uh, companies are either command control driven or they're driven entirely by trust. So leaders need to take stock of where they are, where they stand, and how they need to reorient their entire practices and their own leadership styles as well. Uh, Maintain constant uh, contact and ensure uh, free-flowing, transparent communication throughout your company and you're all set for the near future. Great. Uh, Is it okay if we just switch gears and talk a bit more about uh, the challenges that come along with working in an entirely distributed fashion, because uh, you know you've got an entire team of two thousand plus people here. So, what are the different downsides? What are the different challenges or problems that you might come across? Uh, what are the different things that people can prepare for? Organisations can prepare for beforehand to make sure that they don't run into the same problems that you guys must must have already faced and figured out uh, by now.
1: One of the biggest challenges, Nishal, is um, is human contact and You're never going to be able to replace the one-to-one personal human contact when you physically meet somebody. However, you can ameliorate a lot of those concerns by having constant, regular uh, video contact. So for me, cameras on is an absolute mantra. um, In fact, I I don't think I've had an audio conference call since I joined um, Shopify three years ago. It's verboten in the company, pretty much. It is all video, and we, it's cameras on all the time. So that's a very, very simple, basic thing to have. But, um, you know, let, that's a starting point. So cameras on at all times. Uh, respect for people's uh, time zones. Massively important piece uh, not everybody works in your time zone, and if you're working in a global organisation, and that's where the asynchronous nature of Slack and Teams and all these other products is just a godsend. And I think everybody needs to learn on that front um, how to communicate succinctly and how to summarise. So the the whole uh, concept of TLDR, (too long didn't read) is a very very important thing. It is you know write your write your your write your headline and then if somebody wants to read more that's fine but uh, you're comp- you know you're competing with a ton of a ton of other uh, stuff that, that's being almost like the fire hose is open when somebody comes in, comes on from a different time zone they have to ingest many hours worth of 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 data so make it easy for the person who's picking up the communication They would be the two most simple things but the the one that's most important i think is is the whole concept of isolation and mental health uh, remote work or working from home, and let's be super clear about this, it is hard and it is not for everybody. And there are people who will go into this who are probably not suited for it. And it's a small percentage of people, but being able to identify those people and working with them is, is very, very important. Um, the people who are all in on remote work And really get it and understand it and have experience in it you cannot ignore them either you can't because everybody no matter how Experienced and how professional you are as a remote worker You will have days every month. You'll have a day or two a month or a couple of hours where you're just Pulling your hair out going. Why am I doing this? This is crazy. This is nuts and but you know you take that and then you you balance it out with the other let's say 29 days of the month where you are looking out and it's a sunny day every day and you're like, this is the greatest decision I have made in my whole life So accept the one or two days that you're going to have let's call them hump days but also recognize that every one of your team is going to have some of those days So one of the things that, that we are very clear about and we preach as, as loudly and clearly is have a peer that you can just be, you can really have a meltdown with and you can just have a good rant and a rave in a safe environment with. Have an open line of communication with your lead. And by open line of communication, I'm going to use the V word, vulnerable. It is okay to say I'm having a crappy day. I, this, is, this, is, this is not a day for me. I just need to... I just need to walk away for an hour or two. It's the most powerful thing that somebody could do. And as a leader, if you don't enable that, then you're missing probably one of the most important tenets tenets of of this whole work from home or remote work, which is uh, trust and belief in your in your people. Very, very important thing. So they're, they're probably, the, I would say, the most important things to look at.
0: I, I love this, John. I think you just gave us a reality check because you just actually mentioned all those things that people actually go through in their work from home schedules and all those problems that we face on a day to day basis. And this reality check is very important, not just for the uh, managers and the leaders of the organization, but also for individuals who feel like they want to adopt this as a full time practice, because it's not going to be all sunny, it's not going to be all flowers and nice, there are going to be uh, bad days, and there are going to be definitely days when you don't feel comfortable about it. So it's very important for you to uh, be open about talking to uh, talk- Open to talking about it with yourself and with your peers and your company. So thanks, thanks a ton for that reality check. That's definitely really helpful. And um, you know, I'm, I'm really learning a lot from you today. If you're okay, we're just gonna switch gears and move towards a couple of personal questions. So we could do a couple of uh, rapid fire questions if you're okay. Sure. No
1: problem. Yeah.
0: Great. Uh, do you have a favorite book or a resource or website that you refer often, or, or something that you can probably uh, help us uh, go back and check on? Any favorite book?
1: Um, uh, as a sort of a medium, and I'm going to give you the kind of uh, smart-ass answer on medium, I do actually like reading medium.com um, as a medium, pardon the pun, because I find it there's a ton of really simple bite-sized pieces that I can I can I can ingest a half dozen things really quickly. Um, so that's, that's a good one. Um, the Economist, I think, is probably the most balanced... Um, I was gonna call it magazine, but any of the economist snobs out there would refer to it as a newspaper. Mm-hmm. As a periodical, that's probably the best. From a reading perspective, um, I like to read uh, books that are sort of almost like a uh, documentarian in style. There's a fantastic one I'm reading at the moment, Michael Lewis, The Fifth Risk, um, which would explain a lot of what's going on in the US right now if, you, if anybody wants to take a read of it. It's probably the, my current reading list Got it.
0: Thanks. Do you have any favorite publications on medium though? Just asking.
1: No, I'm a, I'm a complete, um, I'm a medium whore. I'll read anything if it's got a good headline. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Uh, So do you have a routine that you follow on a day-to-day basis? Is there a way that you start your day or you end your day? Something that you could take back from here?
1: Uh, This is going to be laughable, but I do start my day in exactly the same way. Every day when I walk into my office, before I come into my office, I put on my slippers. These are my work slippers and when I put my slippers on it means I'm at work. And when I walk out the door of my office I take the slippers off and I'm done. So I don't bring my laptop out of the office, out of my home office. I don't bring it downstairs. I don't bring when I go sit and have lunch, I don't have my laptop with me. Yes, I have my phone with me and I'll probably be trawling through Slack and other things, but I try not to. But for me, the trigger is putting slippers on and, putting sli- and taking my slippers off. And I keep my workspace to my office, and I don't allow it to spread outside of the house. Another thing from a routine perspective that I try to do in more normal times, not, not that we're having those right now, is once or twice a month, um, I try to meet somebody outside of my Shopify network and my Shopify meet, let's say, the Businesses that I need to talk to, just in different arenas, different businesses. And I try to meet them in a local coffee shop for an hour just to talk. And it's amazing how often that conversation um, ends up in the uh, arena of remote work and the benefits of remote work. It's probably because I bore them to tears talking about it, but um, that to me is a very uh, important thing. Um, another uh, trigger not trigger for me, but another kind of, I suppose, um, important element for me of of, of uh, work in my office is as you probably know I have a stand I, I I don't sit down at a standing desk. And I would strongly encourage folks who are heading into this arena to think very carefully about get, about making that step to a standing desk. If you if you end up sitting down for hours and hours a day, it's actually kind of easy for eight hours to become 10 hours to become 12 hours. When you're standing Right, this is only a certain amount of stamina that we have in terms of standing, and trust me, you will become very efficient and economical with your time, and you'll look forward to sitting down at the end of the day almost as a reward. So, I would strongly encourage people to invest in a in a good um, standing desk.
0: Yep, yep, that's exactly the recommendation I'll give as well. Because uh, I made the shift, uh, I think I think a couple of months back, and uh, I spend a couple of hours uh, next to my standing desk every day, and it just makes all the difference in the world. Perfect, thanks for that. Uh, just one last question before we wrap up this interview. So uh, you've tried to uh, build the best processes, the best uh, way to execute an entirely distributed support team at Shopify, but there must be some sort of an improvement that's still possible. So if there's one thing that you could change, if there's one scope of improvement that you could still bring on board, what would that be? What does that next step probably might look like?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. Um... Like it may look as you know, from the way I'm articulating the story, it may look like we're that we think we're great at what we do. Um, It's quite the opposite internally. We are striving and pushing to change and evolve every single day. So there is not a single moment where we're resting on our laurels, thinking that we're doing the right thing. In fact, you know, I think one of the healthiest things that you can have at all times is um, a level of deep paranoia that you're completely wrong. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a corporate version of the of the imposter syndrome that you've made this massive mistake. So I, I can't put my hand my, my finger on one thing that uh, that we'd like to change. Um, no, I think I'd have to give a pass on that one. I would just say, let's. I, I would say to, to my colleagues at Shopify, would stay being paranoid keep thinking that there's an imposter, keep thinking somebody's going to eat our lunch. And that's probably the best thing that's going to drive us to, to improve every single day.
0: I, I like that school of thought, John. Thank you so much for sharing that. Perfect. Uh, I, I think this was really insightful. I personally learned a lot from you today. And uh, I would like to thank you so much for coming on board and uh, speaking to us at the summit. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Nisha. really appreciate it.